On this episode, I have Jess, who's a friend of mine from about a decade now. We both came into teaching through the same route, um, but we're in different cohorts. The subject that just came in on was music. She is extremely talented, extremely talented in music, and has used this to teach in a number of East London schools. Uh, beyond teaching in the classroom, Jess's career has taken her to different parts within teacher training, um, in terms of networking from different schools and to different countries. We're now at a stage where Jess's role is uh, global and works for an organization that brings together synergies of different uh, teacher training, teacher development organizations um, across the world. Jess is also in the Lean group. So you've probably heard about the Lean group by now on a couple of other episodes. So Jess is another alum of that particular group. And on top of that, uh, Jess has done her master's, um, a Teach First master's, and is halfway through a PhD, which she's going to tell you what that is about. So over to you, Jess. Bonjour. So yeah, please fill in all the gaps. You did well. You did well. I'm stumbling through this field, just trying to plough on. Uh, I would say I'm halfway through my research, but I'm really not. Like, um, part-time, I'm doing a PhD in education part-time, but that does mean, like, I'll be about 50 by the time I'm finished. But that's okay. It's, it's keeping my brain ticking. Dr. Jess is coming still. So what is the research on? What, are you, what is the, what's the master's on? So I'm looking into culturally sustaining pedagogy, which is um, essentially not forgetting <laughs> black and brown kids in the classroom right um so looking at there there's some there's a, a person who has actually made that into like that the simplicity of that into a model where teachers can deliberately think about how they're creating their classroom spaces so that they are uh starting their classroom culture and their planning from the culture of the students in their classroom and building out of that rather than planning and imposing that on whoever they've got in their class. And looking at it potentially as an intervention rather than an integral part. Exactly. Or just like a, a bar of what you need to know. You need to know mm. this. It's a very American thing. So I'm looking at how much we do of it already in the UK and whether it's worth shouting about it a bit more. And I can probably guess that the answer of that is that we don't do a lot of it in the UK. <laughs> well, my hypothesis <laughs> is that, yeah, there's, there's good stuff happening, but you know, they, you're, what's the word? You're, you're, you're innovative. Right, right. You're cool. You're like, you know, cool teacher, rather than actually right. know you're just starting from the right place and being human. Isn't that what they said at the beginning? I mean, when we, when we first started our teacher training, one of the things that they constantly drilled into us was um, school variability is far less than within school variability. So the idea that like a kid could have a, a very good English department experience of their schooling career, and then every hour once they leave English and go through to maths, the maths department could be really poor. And so they have a very lopsided um, education career for the mere fact that from department to department, is variable and there's no sort of like standardization. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that I remember at the time they were drilling into us with regards to Ofsted, that one of the things that Ofsted was looking for was within school departmental variability so that a kid should have a more consistent experience of their school career. So across all subjects, they should feel that they're getting a, a decent um, education. But what it sounds like to me that you're saying is that that experience of being seen by your teacher is still variable where if your teacher is innovative and someone who is taking this on board 
and is thinking about this, potentially even coming from the background of this, they might take it a bit more, uh, the, the, the kid might have a teacher who is doing a bit more and then go to another department where it's just standard as usual. So it seems interesting that that is something that already perks off, pops off in my mind um, about, yeah, how would you measure who is doing it and then standardize it? Because that, and where would you standardize it would probably be teacher training because that is the part where everybody comes through before they go into school so exciting that would be be my long-term goal if I can write something that like gets put in teacher training and then teachers that haven't even started in the classroom know that it's normal to learn about the communities that your kids are from and their cultural norms before you start planning your first day that is um that's cool that that'd be useful from out the gate you've already made it clear that there is a point of view that you have about education what it's for and how it could be improved from where it currently is so tell me more about it like how has identity of blackness influenced any of those decisions that you've made so far um like i said earlier like how do you start on that um well to start with i'm a mixed race woman um who has been raised in the black community and doesn't i don't know how to be white Mom, the white side of my family made it very clear that I wasn't one of them from as long early as I can remember. Um, so I was raised by my dad, who's a black um, Caribbean man, single dad. And so that was interesting childhood. Um, but uh, I guess my first memory of, of my identity shaping my education mm. was early on with my dad. So like, I, like you said, like I'm from a very musical family. So I got onto like a music program when I was quite young. Um, it's quite a fancy like music school on a Saturday. But I remember before I started, my dad sat me down and he said, you know, you, you're going to have to talk like this. And people are going to ask you why you're there. And we're going to do this and this. And this. I said, oh, that's interesting. After my day one, and I'm, I swear I was like eight, six, seven, eight. Like after day one of, of being there, I was like, oh. And then you start to realise the days when you've got camera versus the days where your hair's out. Like people are just a bit different. I was like, oh, this is interesting. So my dad flagging it then was the first time I remember being aware that I was different. And then, I mean, I went to a school in London. So it was, it was, it was common to be mixed race, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you went through school and I'm grateful for that now. I'm grateful for growing up in East because everyone's everyone. You have every religious holiday off. It's not a thing, you know? Love that. <laughs> so I don't think I really thought much about my like identity mm-hmm. until like uni like or, or like gap year time I went traveling straight after university and I went I lived in Australia for a year and then you're like whoa okay uh, everyone's asking me am I Maui am I Aboriginal am I like where am I from until I opened my mouth and my accent's like oh okay you're a pom like this is this is like, you're, you're privileged because you're English um so that was weird and like the different airports I'd be in you slightly get treated differently in different places. You slightly get people looking at you in different places. And that was weird because obviously in London, you're just in London, aren't you? Just, well, you're just from London. So I noticed it there. And then when I lived in Australia. Not many of us go to Australia. Like I went to Australia at the end of last year. Um, my partner is um, half Aboriginal, half German by descent, but could be white passing, but not quite white passing 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, the kind of ambiguity would be there until he opens his mouth and it's like, oh, I always knew that you had something else in you. It's <laughs> like, well, why? Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's interesting, like, because from hearing what he's saying and also now hearing what you're saying around not being easy to be placed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Felt that first time in Australia, like not, I've right. never felt that in the UK. This is the thing, right? And it's, it, I feel like that's, that's something to slow down slightly because it's that thing that um, it is like sometimes there is privilege in knowing more what to expect from how you appear. So though like anti-blackness is global, there is a certain level of privilege that could be taken from the fact of expecting it wherever you go so you can just prepare yourself for it wherever you go. Which, as you're saying, coming from East London, coming from London, coming from the UK, where you see yourself everywhere, right? And to have friends are like, typically, if you're going to be mixed race or biracial, like you're going to be from like a, a few mixes. There, there are not yeah. too many. And then to kind of go to Australia and be like, are you Maori? Are you Aboriginal? Are you from a mob? Like, what's going on? It's, it's like, oh, there are other there are other black people there are other there's other things that I could be um than what I might have identified from just being in the UK and I think that that is something that I I mean I always encourage black people to travel as far as possible but I think particularly in this time of George Floyd and everything else the typical way in which it goes is that it's the wave starts off in the states and then it ricochets in the UK but then by the time we ever remember the Australians are having their own issue with anti-blackness it's like a little ripple it's like a little wave that's that's hit, um, happening with them and so to keep bringing their stories and their narratives into ours I think is important because yeah we've got black people down there too and they have it rough listen they've got they're like they've got it rough rough mate and, and it, it was so strange because their, their segregation is very obvious and very real and very like current so that was quite weird and then I did some time in Papua New Guinea which is mm. a small like, nearby and that was best time of my life. But when I was there, they we were going to villages that had never seen white people. Right. And they were, you know, we do whatever kind of shallow voluntary thing we were there to do. And every village we went to, someone would pull me aside and be like, yeah, but you, where are you from? Like, <laughs> your hair's a bit, a, bit, <laughs> a bit curly. And that was funny. That was strange. Um, and also really, really heartbreaking. And then I guess like the next defining moment that I can loop back in was when I was there actually. Um, and there was one village we were at for maybe just two, three weeks. Um, and again, it was nothing more than those those classic voluntary things that I just don't wish I didn't do it, but now I just don't see much value in them. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Um, uh, we were saying goodbye to one village. We'd done some work there and um, the they threw some like, uh, like a big lunch for us and um there was this one little girl that I got really 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 close with and I don't know why you know sometimes you just it doesn't matter how old you are you just get on there's yeah. a little girl like really 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 got on with her um and so I was really like oh, like sad about saying goodbye and then I, I decided to give her my hairband to say goodbye so I went to find her she was crying I was crying gave her my hairband her mother took me aside and said, please take her back to England for, for me. Oh, have wow. her, have her, right? Um, her name was Hannah Grace, um, and she was about eight, I think, as well. And, oh, like, wow. that, that has been the most defining, like, moment for me, ever. 
and I say this to my husband and my child all the time, like that, this was more, that moment was more significant than them in my life. Um, because after that, I was mash up for weeks and it still like haunts me when I remember her. And I remember crying, 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 crying. And my, um, my team leader, I was in a team of 10. She gave me, she gave us like, was in the next village to do the next thing. She gave me some days off because I was so like morally just like, who the heck am I traveling from my little country to a random village to help with something that is not sustainable? I'm never doing, I was so angry at myself for even going on this whole gap year trip. I was like questioning everything. Like I'm never doing that again. Like I'm never, like either I'm going to help forever or like I'm just gonna work in something corporate and do nothing um no offense to corporate people <laughs> and so like, I literally was like okay like I need to figure out what the heck I'm gonna do because I can't ever be so ignorant again um and I remember like trying to weigh up my options be like okay so I'm gonna be a doctor or a teacher because those two things are like impacting systems right and then I was like well I don't like blood so here I am. And the joke is like, I was really bad in school. Like I was very naughty. So I don't think my teachers would expect I would then choose to be a teacher. But I did, I applied while I, then I went back to Australia, applied to become a teacher while I was in Australia and got on, on that train as soon as I got back. That is awesome. Being aware of who you are and how you are and how you present and all those things that you've clearly been thinking about from an early age, like from the moment of eight being told to be aware of just not and it's not even like watch for people just watch how people's interactions to you are going to be affected by these things um still leaves it pretty much open enough for you to decide how you then want to be perceived by people um but to have that as like a an awareness from that age and then to be able to then see it from like when you go on your gap here to then be able to have that inter uh, interaction to then think about so what do i want to commit to doing in this world some big thoughts in such a young person, <laughs> some big, big thoughts. So I guess thinking about your time in education up until now, presently, have there been any sort of like formative experiences that have left an imprint? Um, this could be from the schools you've worked in. This could be from the training that we, we both would have had. What were yeah. some of yours? Formative. Having a child was formative. Mm. Um, Tell me about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think anything before that. So I had my son after I was a teacher for about three, four, five years or so. Um, and I was in my second school at the time. And I went, so I was placed in a terrible, terrible school. I mean, great kids, great community, but like, you know, Ofsted standards, like awful, almost failing, um, but doing much better now, not because of us at all. <laughs> and then my... Um, second school I went straight to like a genuinely outstanding school in East um but also still so much to learn and still so much work to do there um so I went off had my son came back um and I just learned the hard way that the system isn't out there to support parent you know parent teachers either um and so it took me a few hard moments to figure out how to I think that's when I started getting firm with my boundaries to be honest is is when I came back and had um, had a child, a young child at home. So like, I, I remember I was head of music at the time and um, someone had put, calendared me to be on a school trip to the theatre, which is normal. Um, but the show started at seven and we won't get get back to 11. And you know, like the last 
kids' parents aren't going to come till ages. So I definitely wasn't seeing my child that day, that entire day. So it would have been the first 24 hours I wouldn't have seen him. And it, it bugged me. Like, it, it just didn't sit right with me. But I didn't have the confidence to to do anything about it. I was head of department, but I didn't have any confidence to, like, change the situation to suit my personal needs. Um, and I was wetting myself. Like, I was so, like, stressed about it. And, oh, <laughs> only God, because the... Um, the there was like a tube strike or something announced the day the day of the, the trip so I was like oh great cancel 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 and then I changed it for a matinee um and then it was fine but I was kicking myself that I just did I didn't have the vocabulary we were earlier. like I didn't have the vocabulary to articulate myself professionally to put the boundaries I needed in place so that was a big turning point because after that obviously I quickly found that vocabulary made sure like I never compromised um not compromised but I just never felt uncomfortable uh, with work do you think that it's partly because you were head of department that you felt a level of like responsibility to see it through or was yeah. it just more that no it was mainly it was mainly head of department because like, it wasn't even my trip do you know what I mean I can't remember whose trip it was it was someone else's trip they wasn't around I was down to go I just think at that time I was still bowing down to SLT do you know what I mean and I think that was the after that I realized okay I'm not do you know what I mean I'm you I think when I came back from maternity leave, you realise a bit more all of the hurdles that are in place. Like, hold on, I'm not. Why am I? Why am I always like bending over backwards for you lot, and you're not batting an eyelid of who I am? Sure. So that was formative, a small one, and then it's a shame because my only other big formative moment was like bad again. Like, it's no, it's no good formative moments. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, sometimes it goes like that. And I mean, sometimes the formative is that the lesson learned is for that to not happen again, I need to hold on to this to know that that can't happen to me again. So I'm going yeah. to, yeah, walk with this wherever I go moving on. So It makes you realise I need to know who I am and what I need to make this job excellent. Whereas before I had a child, I was like, I'll do anything. You know, I'll stay up as late as possible. And you, you don't even realise, even though you'd been in the game a decent time by then, you're still proving yourself to this invisible, like, person that is never going to give you a promotion anyway because they just don't like you. But you don't realise at the time, you're still work, like, all of that. So I think that's when I started to realise. I remember my deputy in my department, the way that she told me she was pregnant will stick with me forever because she almost apologised for being pregnant yeah. in telling me that she was. And I was so, like, not even angry. Like, I mean, it's an emotion. But I was just like, rah. Like, what I took from that is, this clearly isn't the, this something, because this was her second kid. And this is like, so something about how you're telling me lets me know that somewhere before when you've told someone that you were pregnant the first time or that, like, you, where you would have expected a response of joy, you've been slapped down or been made to feel as though, mm -hmm well, you can't get this for having that. So you're going to have to choose or you're going to have to make a decision. And in all likelihood, it's probably been a man that's, that's made you feel that way. But that you are coming to me and telling me that you're pregnant, a natural thing, the thing that is the most natural to happen to your, to your body as a woman that I will never experience, but you're telling me in a way that it's almost like please don't be mad at me and also please be sensitive to the fact that I still want a career and I still want to progress in my career but this thing is happening it, it's really like it's, it's stuck with me forever about how just even in that a small minor little thing just reminds me that like 
yeah, there are um, responsibilities that I have as a team leader, which I was at the time, uh, to ensure that, you know, be sensitive about someone's information, but then also just be compassionate. And thirdly, it's like, I need to empower you to never feel like that again. If you choose to have any more kids, like, fuck it, like I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a kid. I'll be back like when I'm back or maybe not, but this is what's going on right now. So we're just going to have to figure out how we're going to make space for me to make this work in how it needs to work. Cause she's good at her job, but it really like struck me that here is someone who felt as though the system, as you said, just a second ago, the system wasn't going to accommodate her being a parent and her being a teacher. She was going to have to choose and compromise one of these things over the other and the school is always going to put itself first it's never going to put your family first it's funny you say that because we like since then and now like i've done so much growing and learning and stuff i think i know my identity much more i can handle myself in spaces but just a couple weeks ago um i told my current boss who is a man that i am i'm expecting number two and I felt I'd, I went through all of those same motions that you just described. I was like, oh my God, like I, fr- I, I, re- I rehearsed what I was going to say. Um, and I made sure that I said it. And I, I tried my best not to apologize, like you said, like not to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm going to be out for a year. But I did also um, pack it at the beginning and, the other, and after the news, like with a list of all these amazing things I'm going to do either side to make sure the work keeps happening. And like I'm, an, I'm still annoyed that I did that, but I still got to play the game. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's not on you. This is the thing. Like it's like when we talk about all of these movements that are happening right now. Like it's not the job of the oppressed to like make it palatable and nice for the oppressor, right? You know what I mean? And so it's not that anyone is oppressed or or being the oppressor in this moment. But the point is, is like that you even had to make all those calculations in your head. It's something that men will never have to account for. And so. You know, even if if there are men listening to this at the minute, the point is, what are you doing to take that burden off the person coming to you to tell you this news? Listen, if lockdown hasn't taught people that by now, do you know what I mean? If lockdown has not taught you that teachers that have children still know how to say, like, because we've been asking for part-time for ages and you've said no, but in lockdown, everyone's made it work. And you, you've seen, do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. It's an interesting time for, yeah, for, for parents and part-timers and stuff. Anyway, slightly off topic. No, 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 all of it. Like, none of it's off topic. All of this is like, because, I mean, yeah, none of it's off topic. Everything is related because we are all of our experiences in one. And so, you know, that you have got a family that is is part of you. It's a facet of you. And so, therefore, some of the decisions that you make are based off of all of them, I guess, are are based off of the fact that you are also of, from, in, with a family to an extent, you know? So... Um, in with I love it <laughs> so um so yeah so you were you were going to say that there was another experience um that came to mind yeah. so the third I think, I think the third um experience and probably the biggest so far in my career wasn't nice um but uh it taught me the biggest lesson I've, I've got now so um fast forward a few more years in the same school now I've been there for ages now, so I know what I'm doing. It's a great department, great team, blah, 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 great kids. Uh, good school until they, <laughs> until I started to see it for what it was. So uh, over over the next couple of years, I had um, I'd started to get into education research a lot more, was having a lot more conversations um, with people about, uh, academically about, you know, terms and 
EDI or DEI, whatever you call it, like in different spaces. So I was starting to see, and I guess just more as you go as a teacher, you start to see it as a system rather than just the school, right? You start to see things. Um, so I got more into education research and I'd started to apply, or I was interested in applying to do this PhD. Um, it takes about a year to like form your application and find a supervisor. So like I was on that path and I had pitched to my school that, oh, I asked my school to be my reference, right? Because I, I, at that time I was applying for a course where it was teachers who were doing their PhD alongside teaching. My school outrightly told me no because of stupid reasons um because it was at the t it was still around race and education so that was like uh, flag number one mm. bit silly because they were very interestingly they were a school that was very well known for women in education very like advocates for women in education so i was very confused as to why they didn't want this to come from their own school right anyway whatever um so that was at the time i don't think i was totally like angry at them i was just kind of confused and i was trying to be creative to make it work blah blah, blah. anyway life carried on um unfortunately my mum passed away and that obviously like shook my world in a different way and in that uh the, like, like the fresh time so like the over the next maybe six to eight weeks after she had passed between when she passed to the actual funeral and that I think I can't remember because it's all a blur but I think she she passed around like June something and so I had to plan, so sad, but I planned to have the funeral um, at the end of term. And then I planned with my trying to be organized self to have the summer off to like mentally process what had just happened. So anyway, um, I was still in school and we were at the end of, you know, that end of year exams had happened. Uh, we had the big music performance that happens every end of year. Um, my groups that I, I was working with, they, they do this brilliant project at the school where the entire year nine do a, a production. Um, a self-written like, production um, and so I, you just have like a group that does part of the performance So my group were all rehearsed, brilliant, ready to go. I um, eventually made sense for me to go off on sick leave and stop working but I, you know, you know, me trying to be organised and committed. Um, I just wanted to, I had planned to do this performance and then uh, wrap up the term early. So I'm fine. And by this point, can I just, for the record, say that like my mental health was fine. I wasn't in denial. I was going through this, but I could keep it together. And I was just, work was a good thing for me at that time. Um, and so, uh, anyway, so like the day, so I got my sick note confirmed. I had it. I hadn't given it to the school yet. I um, got a phone call that the night, the day before from my line manager at the time who I didn't know can I say on this thing huh. oh yeah so I didn't know at the time how much of a dickhead she was I just thought she was like like a dog's body but oh my god like she's the biggest coward I've ever met in my life she called me saying oh you know I really think you shouldn't come in I really think you should take this out. I said I get that um, and I appreciate you saying that listen literally I'm not even conducting anything I'm playing the piano like, even if I break down in tears, I'm just playing the piano. No one's going to see me. Mm. I need to play two songs for these kids, see that through, and then I'm bouncing. Mm. Um, and and it, it made rational sense for me to just come and do that. Um, I spoke as calmly as I'm speaking to you now. Came to the school the next day. Um, I had packed my things up the day before because I knew I just wanted to do this thing. And I was going to deliberately give them a sick note. Because I know once you have the sick note, once they have the sick note, you can't be there, like, legally. Um, 
it messes things up. So anyway, had the sick note in my pocket, packed my stuff, ready to do the performance, said good morning to the kids, got them rehearsed, got them ready. And then I literally got like bamboozled. And this was, hold on. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of more backstory. But basically you got like the, the, the member of SLT uh, cornered me, literally spoke to me and I was escorted off site. Um, now, uh, that was a madness. And then it, it was just a bit weird, just, just a bit weird. And I thought, okay, whatever. I just gave, I had a five minute conversation with another music teacher, gave them the music, apologized to my kids and went home. <clears throat> anyway, so, so that's the backstory. Come back after the summer now, continue with my life, continue with my department. We come back to some, you know, just some un, uh, what's the word? Just uh, not right um, performative questions from SLT now. So our result, questioning our results, questioning our team performance. So we were a small team. Uh, myself and a colleague were not going through another pay bracket because of the results. The results were fine, by the way. Mm-hmm. The results were fine. Mm-hmm. They were not. There were a few students who were not where they needed to be. So obviously, head of department, I put on my, my sword and my shield and I fight for my team. So I'm having millions of conversations around this, millions of conversations with the union, with the school, um, <clears throat> looking into it. Then um, there's a very, there happens to be a very big difference between my results and my colleagues' results. So now it's not even head of department. It's like they were put pitting teacher against teacher. Um, students that I was only their singing teacher, not their class teacher. Um, they were the students in question. So he, so the other colleague was their, their classroom teacher. So he had sole responsibility for their results. Anyway, um, so we're arguing, we're arguing about how this, neither of us had the, this, this discrepancy in our um, expectations for, for pay anyway. So we're having this like classic debate. So I get to like, so say they're telling us this on a Monday, Tuesday, we've had conversations with union. I have a, uh, a frank conversation with the same dickhead head of line manager on a Wednesday. I say, listen, <laughs> this is a good school. I like this school. But by that point, I had grown enough to be like, I am not a dickhead. Mm-hmm. I'm not staying here. If you lot are not valuing me for what I bring, I have to leave out of principle. And I said to, I said, I said to it just like that same tone of voice. I said, listen, I don't want to. I enjoy my job. I enjoy my team. I enjoy everything. And she was like, oh no, you wouldn't do that. And I said, I don't want to, but I mean, and I, I kind of said it assuming she was not a dickhead either, you know, like you, wouldn't you do that too? Like who's going to stay if, if, if you're, you're not paying me what I'm worth. I'm about. So anyway, we get to the Friday now. And by this point, oh yeah, that's it. It was um, half term, like the Friday half term. So um, the Friday before half term. And we'd been fighting this, this pay thing all of the half term since the summer. Um, Get to the last day. Now, my colleague, bless him, he, his hands are a bit tired. It was his results, his kids, right? So he's fighting his own battle. And I was trying to let him coach him on that, you know, you need to um, get your union involved, make sure you do this, don't do that, la, 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 la. But he was handling it his way. Yeah. Um, the union rep said to me, like, obviously, they've got no leg to stand on. Do not go into a meeting with the SLT on your own. I was like, okay, cool. But obviously, I'm not a child either, right? So then I get cornered by the same SLT member that I mentioned earlier that escorted me off, off um, I still can't believe. Term, a term ago, right? Uh, 
she called me and said, can you come into my office? I was like, yeah, fine. By this point, it's because I've got nothing to hide. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm nearly at the end of this, this story, right? So that, um, Don't rush it. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> you know the, the statement you've got to put on your, on your uh, performance review thing yep. right, that my dickhead manager should have done? Yep. I wrote it for her because she didn't have the time. She asked me to write it for her. She didn't have the time. So I just put a bog standard set paragraph on this is what I've done this year. These are my goals. This is how I've met them. Blah, blah, blah. Fine. So I get into the office now. It's me and these two people, the SLT and my manager. And, and they said, oh, you know, it's Friday, Friday afternoon. Oh, they, they, they timed it so well. Um, but I was not seeing at the time, I thought this was an in, individual incident. I was not seeing yeah. the bigger nastiness of the game. I can't believe I wasn't seeing it because I've been told about it a thousand times. Anyway, I was naive. Not naive. I don't know what I was. Anyway. It definitely is not naive. Yeah. It's like, it's intentional to fluster you, to make things yeah. not yes. seem as though yes. it's like, yes. it's, they're not joining. You know, mm-hmm. a gaslighting is the term that's used all the time and it can be, it can be overused, but this is classic gaslighting behaviour where classic. if we confuse you enough, you won't mm-hmm. know left from right, right from left. And so it just seems innocuous that I'm asking you to come to the office because it could be for anything rather yeah, yeah. than the setup ambush exactly. that's going on behind. And if a new people could be so nasty. So anyway, I take myself to the office. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not shy, you know, I can hold a conversation. So I went to the office and said, what's up? They've, they highlighted one or two sentences in the thing that, that uh, doesn't make sense. I'm looking at the, my manager being like, you know that, you wrote th- that I wrote this on your behalf and you're not saying anything. I tell you, the whole time I was in that office, she sat in the corner like she had just been beat up and I now think that she's probably being bullied um, and didn't say a word to me the entire time. So anyway, this, this other SLU member, she had the conversation was a joke and I wish I pressed record on my phone. Mm. Um, so she was, oh... Uh, you know, this doesn't, first, first of all, conversations, oh, this doesn't make sense. This is missing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I said, you know, oh, no, 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 this is what it means. Just clarifying it here. I've got all the data. Do you want me to go back and get the data? La, 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 That's the conversation. Obviously, I'm calm. Obviously, I'm professional. Obviously, for, I knew enough about that, how to mm. present myself in those spaces. Um, so we're going round and round and round a few times. I said, and I sighed. I said, you know, this has been a really stressful term for our team and I'm not quite sure what you want more from me, but this is the, the evidence I've got. Um, I, I feel confused that I have to prove myself to, and I've been here for, for years. <clears throat> she said, she stood up and she said, how dare you speak to me in that tone? Am I a kid? I literally, in my head, I was like, what the? I was like, <laughs> I was like, and, 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 and like with the most innocence, I was like, what tone? How dare you? I said, and I went, I said her name, I said, I don't know what you're seeing versus what I'm seeing, but I don't know what you're talking about. And as this was happening, I realized, oh snap, this is what we talk about in the systems. But she was kind of, how dare you? And I said, I've, and she started to, you know, question my character. And I said, and I said again, very calmly, I said, I have several colleagues that would vouch that that's not me so if I've come across like that I'm like I apologize but that, I don't know where you've got that from and you know it's the end of term da, 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 da. I'm being reasonable and human mm-hmm. at this point I'm sorry but you have been really disrespectful and um 
carrying on and, and, and being very unprofessional in these spaces. And it's not the first time you've done this. When your mother died, no. this is how you're behaving no. in school. No. Mala? No. Mala. <laughs> Even now telling the story. I want to top someone. I stood up. <laughs> Listen, of course I want to top someone. Of course, my nature, my 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 gut said, box <laughs> this woman down and put her in the hospital. Yeah? Happy half term. But I don't know how I didn't. I do know because I was raised right. I was raised right. I was still raised in East, but I was raised right. Okay, I stood oh my up God. and I and obviously I use my manners because I feel like one thing Caribbean families know is we lash you with manners. So I stood up, I stood up and I said, have a good half term. Have a great one. I turned out, I turned um, out of the office from the walk from her office to my office. Obviously, I cried my eyes out. I picked up my phone and called my husband. I said, babe, I'm leaving. He said, do it. He obviously had been knowing everything happening. He said, do it. And I'm, I'm like so grateful. Obviously, he didn't even bat an eyelid. He doesn't even have the full story. He said, do it now. So by this point, it's two o'clock. We finish at 3.30. So I go back into my office, dry my eyes. My team are like, what happened? What happened? I'm obviously, I'm not crying by this point, isn't it? And then by this point, I just need to not say anything yeah. and leave. I do not belong yeah. in this space. I do. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I, no, I no longer belong yeah. in this space. Um, so I sat there. I typed my my letter of resignation press print my team oh yes don't do it don't do it da, da, da. i said guys i've made my mind up <laughs> and at 3 30 as i walked through the the thing to the corridor to go home i put the letter in the head teacher's pigeonhole and i went to my half term and then the walk from my school to the station i call Aline, obviously uh-huh. because they're uh-huh. my girl and I said, girls, and I told them the story. I said, I cannot believe it. And I tell you, by the time I got off the train and I had everybody's voice notes and messages through, I had nothing, I had no reason to go home and cry. <laughs> I had no, like, and it was a weird feeling because that half term, uh, I obviously like for maybe a split second, I was like, oh shit, I've got no job. Oh shit, like, da da da, like, I don't, I don't, not, I don't usually have drama, you know, so I don't, I wouldn't use all this drama. But by the time, the amount of support I got from my partner and my friends, by the time I'd even gotten off the train, I still wasn't even home that afternoon. The amount of affirmations of who I was and what I bring to any space, I was literally probably home and had champagne when I got home. Do you know what I mean? Like it was fine. It was actually fine. It was actually fine. And then only the amazingness of, Good people bring good vibes, no good people. That half term, I was doing stuff with Teach First and um, they had a conference and I was co-hosting some, thing, some random thing they were doing and um, talking about the BAME network. And then um, someone offered me a job at the conference. Do you know what I mean? I didn't tell everybody I'd, I'd quit my job, but I'd spoken to someone in passing and she was like, oh, how about this? So by the time I'd done the following Monday now, I'm coming back to school with a job ready to go to. Happy... And, and obviously committed, one, like committed to who I am and what I don't stand for. And two, very clear on what I, I personally wanted to do that half term to know that I'd done Absolutely. a good job. 
and that was my year 10s making sure they've done all their coursework ready to take that exam tomorrow do you know what I mean like making sure no one's left in the lurch because I've left making sure things were in place all of that stuff all of that good stuff um but obviously that woman never crossed my path the entire term the entire term because she fully knows she fully knows and I tell you the irony like because because in that half term people had heard about what happened and whatever I had other people who had similarly been pushed and nudged and spoken to well out of term and said you know I think you should go to union I think you should do this and I think you should do that and she's done that to me and if I had the capacity that's the only thing I don't regret it because obviously I had a lot going on that year if I had the capacity, I would have got her on um, like character yeah. assassination type yeah. thing with, with the unions. That was bang out of order. And then the irony, years later, I see her in um, South Bank listening to Angela Davis. Uh, and she tapped me on the shoulder. Hi, how you doing? The way, the way I just gave that look. You know that look where it's just like, no, I'm not. I don't do the fake. I don't do the fake. But anyway. It's a long story, but that was extremely informative. No, that's definitely not a long story. Stop apologizing and stop baking, just stop talking about it being a long story. No, that was like that was a roller coaster. It was painful. It deserves all the time it took to tell it because it's not these are not things that should ever get flattened or shortened or curtailed for the benefit of anyone else because it goes back to the point right that if this were in one of those other spaces um where you don't have the space to talk about it like if it were just in a you know in an all-purpose staff room you probably would have had multiple interjections by this point about what was meant what was intended could it have been other things um are you sure it was what you thought it was well actually yeah you know all of these what about are nonsense and um that even towards the end of what you're saying that other people came forward to say and me and me and me like this is like the me too movement this is the blm movement these are the kind of things where it's like it's in isolation you would assassinate my character and me for saying that i did something wrong before potentially looking at the pattern of behavior and saying this person acts like this to more than just me um, you know, you even mentioned the fact that the other SLT members had no spine. So basically, even in her role of like, so what do you do in SLT for? Defend me. Yeah. What is like, you're not developing people. You're not there for people. You ain't got anyone's back. And, you know, if it's just to cut a check and go home, you could do that anywhere else. But don't try and mess up my thing. I mean, I did you a favor by writing the part that you had no time to do. And then you still want to sit there and act as though you had no hand in that. And you've washed your hands off that. like. And yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But you realise that it's a, it's bigger than you. It's a, um, it's a mindset. It's a system. And this woman operates like that. Mm-hmm. And schools operate mm-hmm. like that. How can there be a, out, a genuinely outstanding school? People who operate like that. And that's just an example of normal schools. And like, the more I tell that story, the more common it is. It's so like, common. It is. So, I mean, and that's a problem, isn't it? It's a, no, it's a huge problem. I mean, I was in a school um, down the road from yours, same borough, and working in that school was part of the reason why I left because I'm like, I can see what you're doing to other people, and I'm not trying to. It, Russian roulette means that it's going to land on me at some stage, and I, I don't know if I'm committed to reacting like some of the others in here have reacted. So before it starts to come to me. 
uh, let me just take myself out the equation because I'm only three years into this situation and in that school and I do not have the time for my reputation to you know um but no this is I've definitely seen the bullying in in multiple different places definitely the first school I worked in more so than the second one in SLT so like thinking about what you've just shared there are so many formative parts to it so many lasting parts to it and also thinking about you know the the fact that it wasn't a cock-up but it absolutely was a near miss because I feel like you know the story of what would have happened had you stayed in that environment had you backed down had you done anything different than just cut it at that point and be like cheers for that thank you and leave um it probably would have escalated more she already had henchmen in the room yeah yeah I remember saying to my friends like I can't I'm far enough now like I can't I can't be proving myself daily to someone that doesn't see me do you know what I mean at this point we're all moving like we want to be like running schools in 10 years you know like we're all with all of us everyone I know that that's my friend in education should probably own their own Mm. school and like because we know we're of that value like I and we're choosing not to be SLT running around killing myself because of x y and z you know like because we've got that value but we want a life as well or we're in SLT or whatever like I couldn't, I couldn't like be that person that is daily trying to prove myself to get a promotion in a place that I will never get a promotion because you don't see me like Boom. that because you're racist Boom. and you're a dickhead. Boom. So I was, I, ha- I had to, and yeah, I've not regretted it. The only thing that's sad is I, that then like made me leave teaching before I wanted to leave teaching. But it also like, I'm glad because c- I like teacher education as well, but I'm not finished with teaching at all. Same, same, I hear that. <laughs> so I feel like that's really nicely leads into the idea of what blackness means to you. You've been speaking about it so much, the role that you've, you know, you've taken on for yourself in terms of advocating for self first and foremost. Um, the idea of what it means for you to have your integrity, your morals, to be able to say, I've done enough. Like, I, there's no more that I need to do to prove to you that I'm good for it. Like beyond this point, I'm overdoing it. How do you see your position or the role that you have within the black ecosystem? You know, that you even said that your partner was just like, yeah, come home. Like, no other words said. Quit your job. Quit your job. <laughs> right? Like, that, yeah. that was something that, that was known to you. Like, that is impactful. Like, how do you see your, your role with existing? That's an interesting question because I don't think I do. Do you know what I mean? Like, not that everyone's out here for themselves. Mm. I definitely move in a tribe that I love and maybe because of that tribe I can relax a bit I don't see I don't really know if it's a role I don't know if I do it on purpose but if I know you I want you to do what's best for you in your space so you know like in the teacher um, education space like a few of us came together and created a bit of a formal network of black and Asian teachers also for the record I don't like the phrase BAME but here we are um, and that space is meant to be there to encourage black and Asian teachers to know their value. It's had an interesting journey and I'm not as affiliated with the group anymore. I'm there to support the team that are running it now. Um, so I think, I don't know if, again, I won't call it a role that I play, but I enjoy telling people and seeing people for who they are and saying, I see you going for that head of year role. Why? 
why when you can also be curriculum or um like i spoke to two people recently they were just about to start their teacher training and they're going to be involved in running this network now and they both both black women and they both decided to uh be a ta for an extra year to get more experience before they started the teacher training program i said why why did you do i said i know it's done now why did you do that you didn't think you as a person would make a great teacher and therefore just applied because that's what becky did do you know what i mean she didn't go out and get no work experience she just applied for what she wanted and is continuing to pretend she knows what she's doing whereas you know because of your experience your background your the way you've been raised how like children should be loved and cared for um so i enjoy i enjoy say, like saying that to people if i if i get to know them and then yeah like my work and being part of the network has meant like i've had more i've been a part of more spaces where we have more formal discussions about race and education and in those spaces with my friends stroke colleagues like i i i do sometimes enjoy rustling feathers and telling white people to stop being so silly um but that's draining too so you know like i wouldn't say it's a role it's stuff i do um but yeah it's a it's a role not every role has a title not every role is something that you apply for but like sometimes you are put here on this earth to play a part in the ensemble right and you have definitely got a particular point of view which has been clear for me since we met and it's been unwavering yeah it's hard man. i rate it because i i also think that it's so 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 valuable to build others i mean there's that that, that saying that says a candle loses nothing of itself by lighting other candles right and it's that piece which is even from what you're saying, you know, it's done now. You both apply for this TA role before you apply for the teaching role, but hear what, never let that happen again, because yeah. you are underselling your value in terms of what you could bring to a place. And it's, it's a similar line that I always say, let somebody else tell you no before you tell you no, because the no that you're yeah. going to give yourself, like could actually be more detrimental than the yes, but, or the yes, and, or whatever, something else yeah. that somebody else is giving you. So you are actually, yeah cutting your own opportunity before mm -hmm. you're being told that and you're right like from what statistics say from what data says from what anecdotes says like a lot of people will apply for roles that they are on paper not ready for but they get the role same way and they learn them the but we go and do phds before we can apply before for something apply for do you know what i mean like I feel like a lot more of us need to have the audacity because they need to feel like every single time that a role is coming up, yeah. expect to see one of us applying for it. Like, expect it. Because we're just going mm -hmm. to flood the system with applications. You're going to mm -hmm. have to do it. That headspace and that confidence, it is not like me alone. Mm -hmm. And like, it, like, number one, it is because of Lean or the communities, the different communities that you're part of. Like, you need that to be your voices for you when you can't find your own voice because these people love to knock your voice do you know what i mean so i think i can i'm i only project that based on the spaces that i'm deliberately a part of and grateful for well, enough mm. said <laughs> um, it's true though and you made me, you made me think of my sister-in-law mm. who is about to get her GCSE results next year, next week. And because of COVID, the results are gonna be weird. And um, I had to say just, just that to her, like this system does not define you. You know your worth, you know what you was gonna get. And even if you don't get it, like that doesn't change who you are. Um, 
I do think there's something about our generation being explicit about uh, telling each other that. I don't think our parents were like that. Do you know what I mean? I don't think I was ever told, well, not like you're amazing, you can do what you want, but it was still like, get your grades, become a teacher, that's good. Don't be a musician. Like, don't, don't make that your full-time job because that's a bit, but be a teacher. You know, like there's something about like the safe path that our parents paved that we're not on anymore. And that's exciting. <laughs> Final thing then is, I mean, I feel like you have given a, a really clear point of view about what people need to do for themselves and how they should advocate for themselves. But besides that, are there any pieces of advice or reflections that you have for others that often don't get highlighted? Mm. I think I've said this, but knowing, which is really hard, but like what, what do you want to contribute in general to the system, to your class, to your school? Because otherwise you get pulled left, right and centre and you, you'll get told what to contribute and you'll over contribute and not have anything else to contribute at home or in life. Um, so knowing what you're going to bring to this school like, and, and what you're going to do well and how you're going to do that and then how you're going to do it well. So knowing your boundaries, whether it's, oh, I've gone through the motions on this several times, but whether it's like work-life, what does work-life balance mean for you? Like working late is fine if, you're, if that's what you've decided for you. Um, or choose, I remember I like, I chose what days I was going to work late and what days I was not going to work late. Like just knowing that and making people, other people know that, oh, it's Tuesday, Jeff is going to the cinema on Tuesdays. Like, or, um, I remember buying a bag too small to take books home because I was trying not to take books home. So then I spent a lot of time planning, uh, activities where kids were marking their own work or I could mark their work in lessons, you know, like, but figuring out what you're not going to do anymore. And I, I remember getting good at, um, I, I'm dyslexic, so I get quite cloudy brain all the time. Um, and I'm excited all the time, so I have loads of ideas. So I just write everything down on a Monday or a Sunday night. And then I would highlight what has to be done, literally, what has to be done for this operation to still roll. Because some of those things on there are things like laminate this and do this display thing and the, the, the things to, that I'm subconsciously still trying to make myself look good for someone who's not looking anyway you know like so what figuring out yes throw everything down but like what do you have to do and this is what we were saying earlier about like time versus value versus killing yourself like what has to be done for this job to work and what can be done by someone else or can be done when I'm watching Netflix or not be done like figuring that out like so knowing your boundaries and then lastly like make good friends like whether it's from your course or from your school, like figure out who your friends are and be a friend to them because you're going to need it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you. That's amazing. Like we've been on a journey, like, and the feedback that you've just given at the end, again, work out what your boundaries are and stick to them. Like at the expense of others, just stick to your boundaries because life will be easier. <laughs> I take that on board hugely. So thank you, Jess. Um, I'm sure loads of people are going to get loads from that. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it coming out. No worries. Thanks for having me. And also, thanks for the space. I think it's important. And I think that I wish we had this podcast when we were training. Good, so, good job, mate. Thank you.